Welcome back to the Started Five Podcast on SB Nation Gristy Bear Blues. I am the One P Shark. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Trey, the Chief of Staff of Dillerbrooks Island, and also the welterweight champion of Pertle, not Wordle. What's good, everybody? I didn't see that one coming. Um, it's really <laughs> shitty, man, holding it down, throwing it down to the big fella down low. Well, coming back, man, at Tab, she get a big fella. What it do, what it do, Grizz Nation. Let's get it, y'all. I do what it do. Running uh four and four again this week. Uh, guys, Scott Lido couldn't make it on, but he did ask us a Twitter question this week. So <laughs> we, we will hear from him. Right, exactly. So we got those coming up. But first, of course, we got to review the week. Uh, All Star Week ended, and then you know we got still got a little break. No games until this recent Thursday, and we played at Minnesota. And that game we did have a scare with Ja. I think he was actually hurt. He came back. Limping, uh, try to give a good effort, but D'Angelo Russell went ham in the fourth quarter with 23 points. Uh, I know the young guys, you know, y'all used to that term going ham, but you know, shout out to Starlito, that's what we grew up on. <laughs> but yeah, Minnesota finished us off and in close game was 119 to 114. Then turn Saturday with the MVP showdown, although NBA is not an option. John Moran's top five MVP candidate, but let's start this real podcast to learn more. On, uh, I grab on it, but you know. Jamal DeRozan is the top three MVP candidate. So, yeah, Ja versus DeRozan. And the Grizzlies did take care of business in a close one, 116-110, to 110, including DeRozan getting kicked out the game after Kyle Anderson locking down the last position. What y'all thoughts about those two games? Pretty uh, nice week for the Grizz. I think it's kind of safe to add D'Angelo Russell uh, to the all-Grizz killer team. So, he has a back his backcourt mate with C.J. McCollum. Cause it seems like every time we match up with D'Angelo Russell, he just tends to go off. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had the most career threes in the game. I think he tied his. It's something crazy about his mo- the amount of threes that he's made, which is around nine, and I think he makes the most threes against the Grizzlies. If I'm not mistaken, I have to fact check myself on that, but. Literally, Memphis did everything in their power to put themselves in position to win. I mean, if you would have told me you got 20 from Ja, 20 from Jaron, and 20 from Zaire, um, you're probably in a good position. Um, So, this week, yeah, I think we're all going for 2-0, hopefully. Um, not a 1-1 one one split, um, so to speak. And, Cap, you can run back, those back to us when you get a chance. Um. Going against the Timberwolves, great win. I, I think, of course, when I see losses, I see opportunities. Um, and I mean, we did, <laughs> we did beat the Bulls uh, as well. And I do want to talk about the Bulls, and then go back to the Timberwolves. Excuse me. Uh, with the Bulls game, man, Stephen Adams had a double double before halftime. By the way, um, and I know we didn't really uh, discuss that as well, but the man ended up with more rebounds than some of us have points. Actually, that game, he had 21 rebounds, which would have been, if they were points, we would have been the second most points behind John Morant's 46. Um, so kudos to the big fella, Stephen Adams, for getting in there. And here's something about, you talk about the Grizz Killers, Trev. There's something to be said about Stephen Adams. I don't think he likes the Bulls. Um, he don't like their BS, so to speak, right? Um, and then we talk about the Timberwolves game. No pun intended. No pun intended, man. I'm just just a guy. Don't shoot the messenger, right? Um, 
but the Timberwolves game, you know, uh, one of our fellow LBR teammates has talked about, you know, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Um, I feel like we had a Timberwolves number, um, but I do understand what he was discussing in regards to playoff basketball and getting to that that place of slowing down, so to speak. But I think we've proven, even though we lost this game, that, you know, we. Could, I think if the Timberwolves were seeing us in the playoffs, seeing us, I give them to game five. Um, you know, I, I think they pull out a win in Minnesota, but I don't, they're not really truly a scary team, so to speak, um, come playoff time. Uh, there's a team that I think is a little bit scarier that we could discuss later on. Um, that's not gonna scare us, but other people. But, um, kudos to Steven Adams, though, man. Um, that, that's really what I want to get my shout out to, um, as well. Cause like I said, a double double against the Bulls, who, who are a number one team in the East, uh, that may have slid to the number two after this loss. Um, but for him to show up like that was amazing. Um, and even like you said, Trevor, you had three or four of us that had 20 plus points uh, against the Timberwolves. So we're just spreading the love there. Um, throwing it back down to the big fella uh, so he can discuss this week as well. Absolutely, man. Uh, y'all said pretty much everything I really wanted to say. So I don't have to, you know, stomp a stomp a horse like that. But like, one thing I say about the Bulls, uh, the game against the Bulls, is like, when you know that the opposing defense, and this is what I'm loving about John Morant this season, um, especially, you know, not seeing if he, how he was going to return, you know, or whether he was going to play for the Bulls uh, game because he did kind of go down for a few minutes with this guy against the Timberwolves. And he comes back and, and do what he does against the Bulls is is none short of spectacular. And, you know, he, like I said earlier, like he's a shark that smells blood when your opposing team don't have interior defense. And that's pretty much what it is. Like Tristan Thompson ain't stopping no damn body. <laughs> uh Vucevic he airballing no. He's he airballing. Everybody airball once in a while, man. It's the NBA, but uh <laughs> but, but like offensively, of course, Vooch can do his name, but defensively, like he's not stopping someone. So the way you know John Morant, you know, going in and, and going against an MVP candidate that should be DeMar DeRozan, should be an MVP candidate as well as John Morant. Uh, really took advantage of the moment as, you know, we hope that he would continue to do for the rest of the season and show why not only is he top five in the MVP vote, but John Morant should be in everybody's top three as well. So um, just like he kind of used his friend, you know, the last few games to make sure he solidified himself as an all-star starter. Um, and I'm kind of kind of surprised, Strike, we kind of just went over the all-star weekend. Like, yeah, it was all-star weekend. All right, now let's get to the grid. Like, come on, man. It's the NBA all-star game, bro. We can get a little bit more respect than that. You missed last week. We talked about it last week. We talked about it last week. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> we talked about it last week, man. Like, you know no, he's not like He's not one of the people to make us the second most viewed, I see. Exactly. <laughs> I like the message, especially like the Don Cousin. Of course, I had to bring it up. Like y'all just like the message, y'all. But no, hey, you know real quick though. <laughs> Real quick on the topic of Steven Adams, not only did he lead the team in rebounds, he also led in assists with five. So to go along with that 20 on rebounds, he had five assists too. So it goes uh, to show. Second that. best pass on the team. I'm, I'm not taking that away from him. Tell further notice, Steven Adams is the best, second best. Man, put some uh, respect on Ty Jones' name, man. I just was like, you better put some respect second on Ty. Passer. Y'all better respect the big man. Y'all know I love him some songs, Jones. He, hey, y'all know I love songs, but the second best passer. <laughs> but I didn't say, man, that's all I really want to say. Definitely want to get to these questions, y'all, for sure, because we we got we got a few good ones. So, 
What's up, for sure? And speaking of questions, man, shout out to our very own at GBB, uh, Sean Coleman. He had a pretty good interaction with Steve Adams last night. Uh, <laughs> Steve Adams asked him, uh, he, spoke, he was like, uh, man, oh, where, where you from, mate? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm from Tennessee, you know. <laughs> He's like, man, I, I, I haven't heard the accent before, so <laughs> but shout out to Sean. That was pretty, uh, funny, pretty cool at the same time. But, um, to get on to the questions, uh, Savage Owl, who she did this is the person he was alluding to earlier. If y'all remember who was talking about Minnesota being a tough matchup, he uh said, No question. Uh, well, his Twitter is at M Savage 901. He said, No question, just get well, get well soon. Dylan Brooks, aka Gustavo from Snowfall. If you watch the Snowfall uh show, because the hairstyle he said yesterday, just check my Twitter account and you'll see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'll see the hairstyle. He looks just like <laughs> Gustavo oh, is crazy. <laughs> Gustavo is, oh my goodness. That checked my Twitter account. I was like, man, I felt that picture. I was like, bro, he looked just like him with that hair. Boy, if we ain't talking a good debate, we having a good laugh on here. Y'all funny, man. <laughs> but get to our fifth member who actually, who uh, fortunately couldn't be on today. Underscore Scott Lido, he asked the question. So we're going to go with his question. What issues, if any, do you see? That could be an issue for the Grizzlies as they close out the season into the playoffs. Put some options out there, Dale, in experience, uh, coaching, etc. Um, I you yeah, okay. I think the one thing that I think will be an issue. I mean, talked about lineups. I think just overall chemistry when you add Dylan Brooks back into the lineup, um, and how that deals with to his point lineups and such like that dylan brooks to me is um we talked about this in the last episode to me um a top three person in regards to the hierarchy uh within the grizzlies so he's going to need his minutes um we know he's going to put up his shots unfortunately um and like how does that feel with the rotation of players that are already there and have been very successful doing what they're doing um i still believe you know we bring you know certain people off the bench at certain times i think that still happens but like Crunch time basketball, what's going to happen? Who's going to be in the game? Who's going to solidify those spots? And what does that lineup look like? So to me, it is lineups, but overall, like chemistry as well within that lineup to see, okay, if Dylan's on the floor, who's going to be the best to surround with Dylan, or so to speak? Or is it Dylan and Jaws? Do we take Bain out the rotation when it's Dylan and Ja? Like, how does that work? And thankfully, towards the end of the season, the back half of those, what, five or six games, we're playing teams that are possibly looking to be in the playoffs anyway. Um, so that would be a great segue as we go into being a top two seed um, within the playoffs, if not number one. Yeah, so she just want, I, I probably will say the rotations as well, but I, I don't think it's going to be a chemistry problem. I think it's just more along the lines of Dylan Brooks just kind of working his way back into actually – I'll say actually in game shape. I don't think he has an issue of getting in shape, but just working his way back in his field back is really like in the end, just how quick Dylan Brooks can get back to his form and how this is going to fit with the rest of the squad. That's pretty much it. Right. Um, I don't think chemistry would be a big issue. Um, of course, bringing back Dylan Brooks would kind of will be a big adjustment because shots would be, you know, going to him and away from Bain and everyone else. But I think that when you really look at the core of this team, I've said it on this spot before, um, we look at the core of this team three years, that's the chemistry that we have with each other. And that's longer than 
you know, a few teams in the Western Conference been around. So I think that chemistry, once we start to go on, definitely continue to click in. Um, but I'm going to continue to say it. I really I, – I, I ain't going to say hate because it's a strong word, but I would prefer if we would have got some veteran presence on the team. Um, and he doesn't even necessarily have to play really – but just having that veteran that's been there before, that's been, you know, to a Western Conference Finals, you know, like, like for example, you know, P.J. Tucker, you know, he didn't take too many shots with the Bucks last season, but he was needed in order for them, you know, to beat the Nets and to beat the Suns. You know, that veteran presence that knows how to mentally, you know, prepare you to, to get you over that next hump. You know, we beat the Warriors in the play-in last year. We got the playoff experience, you know, last year against the Jazz. Even though we lost, we still got that experience. But now it's like, we're a top three team, whether or not people want to, you know, say that they expect us to be there or not. We are here now. And I think that in order for us to take that next stump, that next jump, that personnel has to be there, which it is. But a veteran, we all know a veteran on the court and off the court and what it means to a team. So I, I, I kind of don't like that we didn't address that need in the in the trade market. But, you know, um, I think before the season, I mean, before the playoffs, I, would, I guess we could sign somebody through the buyout market or whatever before all that ends. So, I mean, who knows? But that's so, the only issue with the Grizz I have right now. Say kind of a, a veteran presence that has pretty much is basically what you're saying. Like that knows how to win in the playoffs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we could, like even we, like we, we tell. You know, we had to look up this contract like an Eric going with him in perfect or you know, a Paul Mills that, with him person. Like that, that, that role, I'm gonna be real with you. That role can go. Steve has been playoff play, play test. He's been to a conference finals before. He knows how to that's win. True. That's true. That's true. In in the playoffs, that can potentially go to Steve, and then of course the rest of the guys, with the exception of here, is playoff tested. They got a little experience as well from last year, so. I, I see where you go. I see where you're going with that. I would love second veteran presence. I, but I think that role could potentially go to Steve. I think Steve is not getting enough credit in that aspect as what he okay. brings, okay. as opposed to what uh, uh expected to bring. Uh, here, so good point. Real good point. Real good point. Real good. And really, my issue for the Grizzlies is really nothing. Uh, to be truth be told, only thing that worries me, and I think Dylan Brooks solves it. I think it's that secondary score outside of Josh at the end of, at the, end of the game. Somebody and Bang Bang has come up big, and Triple J can come up big when in spot up moments, but to just get on the ball and move out the way, we I was thinking we need a second score. Dylan Brooks, he, he showed, and you know, Dylan, he's gonna do it. Last year in the playoffs, he showed that he could produce like in like crunch moments, stuff. So I think he solved their problem for me. And also, um, it's just really, yeah, it was really mainly the secondary score, uh, the extra defenders. I think Dylan Brooks saw uh, half court offense is what I was thinking about. And that goes back to secondary score, Dylan Brooks, just because it's a lot of times in the games, it's like, dang, it's Ja. Who else do I trust with the ball? And I think Dylan Brooks, in my opinion, solved their problem to me. Yeah. And he just, he provides just so much what you could do for a team. Like, He's a guy that, again, he's going to get his FGAs up, but he's another guy that can create and get his own shot in a half-court setting. There's been often too many times where we've – Taylor Jenkins has put rotations on the floor and we've asked ourselves, okay, who's scoring with this much? Uh, so with Dylan, you can pretty much start Dylan, 
Uh, take whoever you need to take out. Take John Jaron out. Leave Dylan out there with the second unit so he can be uh, that, that shot creator, that person that he can go get his. And then just let Tyus and everyone else just kind of fill in our roles accordingly. Yeah, exactly. And that actually transitions us, us to our next question from Booyah. Man, shout out to Duas, uh, Stuart Scott, man. Uh, rest in peace. Booyah. That's uh, <laughs> so my guy. So my guy named on Twitter who asked us the question. Booyah. Uh, is at Twitter handle is at Merrick M E R R I C K seven nine five zero or five zero. So uh, Merrick seven nine five zero. He asked, "When Dylan gets ready, how will he adjust to the lineup, and how far how far back will Zaire fall in the lineup?" That's a real good question. Um, I don't think Zaire is the. Go ahead, Tuk. I'm sorry. Uh, of course, Dylan get back star, but based on him looking comfortable out there and a lot more comfortable than I'd, I'd expected for sure, um, you can definitely have a key piece off the bench. And I know at the beginning of the season, it would have been weird to say that because we didn't know how he would have been fitting in, per, you know, first off. But the fact that he looks, you know what I'm saying, he looks great as an NBA prospect, as an NBA player already. Um, and you got to continue to let him grow. So I think he'll probably be top eight top nine off the bench for sure like he'll definitely get some minutes off the bench for sure but dylan brooks is definitely going right back into the starting lineup yeah dylan's going back into the starting lineup i don't think zyre's minutes are going to suffer that much um of course you're not going to see john conchar out there anymore once dylan is back but once the playoffs come, it, it's going to be a real tough decision uh, for Taylor Jenkins. Uh, and I guess it's going to be based on how things are going to who he's going to play more between Zaire and Kyle Anderson. Now, honestly, I, I say Kyle Anderson because of everything else that he brings. But as far as an extra scoring punch and an extra defender and an extra guy that can uh, get some baskets for you, Zaire may be your guy. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, but I don't I don't think Zaire's minutes are going to fall that much. They're going to shrink just a tad. I think he'll still get um, around the same, but those minutes that like John Conchar is getting and a couple of others that you probably wouldn't see playing with a fully healthy Grizzlies team, those minutes might go to Zaire based on how he's been playing this year. So there you go. Yeah, I think for me, I think uh... – I think Williams does get a hit on his minutes um, by about seven or eight. His last at Chicago, he had 29 minutes, Minnesota 27, uh, Portland 19. It's a lot of 20s um, against the Knicks in 76ers. He had like over 30. Um, so maybe like 15 minutes um, because Dylan Brooks has still provided us no reason to not start him. Um, and to your point, yeah, I hate that we're not going to see Big John anymore um, once playoff time comes. But you never know, though, because um, I know he's going to be ready because um, he's just a guy that just can do it all, to be honest. Um, and when you call upon him, there's, there's always a need. And was I, I think for him, as he continues to develop even better defensively, his shot is still pretty much there, too. Um, and he's a great spot-up shooter when necessary need there. I My thing with him is, I don't know. I feel like he shoots better when he's a starter and warmed up that way as opposed to coming off the bench colder. Um, so that might be something they may want to explore, but I'm not saying to start him at all. I'm just saying find a way for him to stay hot even when he's on the bench. I wish I had that not-so-fast sound bite from Lee Corso right now because I guarantee you, 
knowing Taylor Jenkins, he gonna find a way to sneak John Conchar or Big John on their court. <laughs> he gonna need a shooter. You gotta have a shooter somewhere. He gonna find his way to sneak him on their court. <laughs> so I do think um, Zaire will still play um, for the regular season. Playoff time hits, I could very well see a shortening of their rotation and Zaire possibly out of the rotation once he shortens it. Uh, I would hope that he at least gives them a a try, a chance in the playoffs because, of course, you know, the playoffs, the intensity is is amplified. And, you know, he's a rookie still. I I, want to see him at least get a shot at it one or two games. And if he shows nothing, then, you know, Taylor Jenkins is going to do what he do. He's going to play the PP trust. And John Conchar is very trustworthy uh, in any any given scenario. So I can very well see John Conchar sneaking back in that rotation. But uh, Dylan Brooks is definitely starting. I mean, he's a star. Ain't no, you, you, there's no way you're not going to do that. Now, going to the future, we, we talked about that in the offseason. We're not about to talk about that right now. Uh, in the future, there might be a different story with Zaire, you know, maybe a six-man role like we all wanted, what, two years ago. So, But that's all offseason talk of. So, I, Dylan is definitely getting back and starting to the starting lineup. Jack of all trades player. Hopefully, Zaire gets the opportunity in the playoffs, but there is a direct season that he would definitely still be in the rotation. But the rotation shortens, I could see a, a scenario where he doesn't play as much in the playoffs. Because you think about last year, like Brandon Clark was a complete shot to rotation in the playoffs. Start. Stuff like this happens because role players, for whatever reason, in the playoffs, role players don't show up on the road. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's very crazy, but they like on road games. <laughs> road players not show up, <laughs> so, but at home, yeah, it's, it's at home, home cooking. It's, it's, home cooking. <laughs> it's every year with every team. It's not just any one team. So it's it's very random. But um, to the next question, which is still dealing with Zaire, uh, from my guy Zane. His Twitter handle is at it's Zane I T Z two Z's I T Z Z A Y N underscore. He said, or he asked, how much of an impact do you think Zaire can actually make in the postseason? What kind of player can you compare him to from the past? So I definitely like to take a stab at this one. Um, for sure, um, a few times on this pod, I've compared him to Rudy Gay. Um, real smooth, shooting stroke, uh, taller, you know, once upon a time, skinnier. <laughs> um, Rudy Gay, 250 pounds. Now, y'all, who would have known? But once upon a time, he was around, you know, 200, 210. Um, and Zaire is like around about 200 as well. Um, so if I were to compare him to somebody else, it'd probably be like a Danny Granger, you know, from the Pacers. Um, Shungar, you know, can do can pretty much do it all. And I think once he kind of get more into his body, I think he'll definitely be one of the better two way players in the league. Like, I know we kind of want the Jalen Browns of the world to come to Memphis and everything. But this kid really has a lot of potential, you know, definitely a top 10 pick. And I love I love watching him play. So I think once he continues to grow and, you know, mature mentally and physically, I think we could see a rise of a, one of the better two. I'm not calling the best top five. I'm not putting a rank on them. But as far as getting what you need from a consistent two-way player like Danny Granger was for the Pacers, I can definitely see that being a role for Zaire. And the rookie number is kind of identical, to be honest with you, if you want to check them out. So I, I'll say Danny Granger. Yeah, for me, I'm going to stick with the Indiana reference and go to his former guy on the wing. Uh, Zaire reminds me of a young Paul George. Uh, I get that one, too. Um, so with just his, just his athleticism and his ability at 6'9 to um, basically put the basic score on all three levels. Uh, we haven't seen a full expansion of Zaire's game, kind of like what Paul George, when he first got to Indiana, we didn't really see how uh great paul george was until danny granger the injury started to pile up 
and Paul George just kind of took over the reins. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Grizzlies develop Sire in that role. Uh, as far as the first half of the question, how much of an impact he can make, as long as he's doing what he's doing now, because you're going to have to knock down shots. You're going to get a lot of corner threes in the playoffs, especially with all the attention that's going to be brought um, on job with his uh, dribble penetration and being able to score in the paint. So as long as you're able to do something on the defensive end, as long as you're hitting shots, then you can definitely, definitely make a huge impact in the postseason. But, yeah, um, a young Paul George. I'm not saying he's Paul George now. He's not Paul George at OKC or in with the Clippers. That We would love for him to get to, get there. Uh, but for right now, just right now in his rookie season, it, it's looking real Indiana Paul George those first couple of years in Indiana. Y'all, y'all did y'all's research on this one, man. I, I was sitting here thinking about who I can really compare him to. Um, and we're talking about him being in the playoffs this season. <laughs> if I can put a name to who I think I could kind of compare him to what I think he needs to be for us is more of a, a Sean Marion. Um, and you can get that either with the Mavericks um, later on in his career. Right. Sean Marion was not a go-to scorer or anything like that, but he took on some tough assignments defensively. Um, and it was time to hit shots. He hit the shots even in the corner that you guys alluded to earlier. No matter um, so how like, ugly it is. No matter how ugly the jumpers. See, that, see, that's what I was going for. See, you know, with some ugly jumpers out there, I wanted to compare some somebody. So that's, a, that's why I bring Sean Marion to the table. Um, but Sean Marion, same height as well, um, same kind of body. Bill, so to speak, lengthy, so to speak, um, six, seven-ish areas. Uh, but, yeah, give me Sean Marion. But I don't think, to the point that we've made earlier, I think it's minutes do dwindle in the playoffs. It's very hard for a rookie to be as impactful in their rookie season um, in the playoffs. I don't think we've seen – I'm trying to think of a rookie that's made a significant impact recently um, over these past two to three years in their rookie season. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah. Okay, impacting towards of like completely changing the series because you can look at uh Terrence Mann last season for the Clippers. Like when the Clippers went five mm-hmm. out and he completely just took over the I mean Paul George was Paul George. We all know what happened with Reggie Jackson as well. But when they went five out and Terrence Mann went crazy, I can't remember what game. I think it was game five or six against uh Utah. That could change the whole dynamic for them. Uh and Tyrese Maxey hasn't been much of a slouch. He was actually pretty decent in the playoffs as well last season. So uh, it's possible. But just with this right here for the Grizzlies, it, it's going to be tough to your point in, in the end. So I just thought of one more player, too, which is kind of funny. Richard Jefferson. What years? Hey, Rich Jefferson was cold. Uh, early, early season with the Nets, late in the year. Early, 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 I used to enjoy that Jason Kidd, uh, Kerry Kittles, Richard Jefferson, King. Come on, King man. Martin. Come on, man. K Mark. Yes, sir. I used to enjoy that. I, I, I like still with no. I like still. Hey, they did get to the finals. Look at yep. us doing our research. Look at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I do got one uh for Zaire. Good uh, comparison just came randomly thought of Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. I can see those games mm-hmm. that mid range game, mid range, mm-hmm. very reminiscent of uh Brandon Ingram type of 
game. Um, I think he's better. Of course, that year, I think he's better on defense. But the offensive game, I, it's it's pretty smooth. They, like I said, in mid-range, it kind of reminds me a lot of Brandon Ingram. I used to think a lot of like Paul. Because Paul George and Danny Granger were the same player, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> they pretty much, to me, they were like the almost the same player. We Like I said, we discussed it before we recorded. Paul George a little more athletic, but kind of like ran to the same process. Jason Tatum and uh, Jaden Brown ran into until the current uh, streak that they've been on this last month. But uh, they they kind of he 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 has he has a lot of different players that his game could fold could like mold into. Um, but to your point, we were talking about Jaden Brown. Um, like I said, that's another offseason thing. By the way, the Celtics are playing, he may not even be available <laughs> anymore <laughs> if they keep it this role. So hey, we got we got a pretty good option out here way in the wings. And like Tuke said, when we drafted him, all of us was like, What Tuke, you the one who stayed patting and was like, you know, this is the future. Like let's keep it's, rolling, it's not, so. he, I think he he could definitely maximize his process. Uh, his process. <laughs> he can maximize his potential if he goes through the process of really getting that consistent mid range. Like we mm-hmm. seen with the Martin Rosen putting up 30, 40 points and not taking any threes. Like we see in the playoffs and the finals, you know, Kevin Durant taking mid ranges. And like if you can maximize your potential to do that area, mm-hmm. do you see as much playing time as you really literally want? Like I said, once he continues going to his body, he'll be nice. Right. And I had really pretty much already answered the first part of the question at the end of the last question. Uh, I could see him, like I said, I hope he gets a shot in playoffs. I could very well see a scenario where Taylor Jenkins goes with a more trusted John Conchar and Kyle Anderson, which, hey, it's playoff time. I, I understand. So our last question comes from uh, Faustina's Booyah. Uh, his Twitter at is, and he's asked us a question before, is at Bad News Boya. Uh, yeah, Bad News Boya. Uh, B-A-D-N-E-W-S-B-O-Y-A-H. He asks, with the injury to CP3 and Steph Curry struggling, is there a possibility we can reach the one seed before the season ends? Phoenix did just lose, so we're down seven and a half back of them from the first seed. Uh, 20 games, though. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm done one. putting limits on this team. I'm done putting limits on this team. Every time I say they can't, they end up doing it. So I'm not going to say they can't. I'm not going to say they can't. I will say that it will be a very, I'm not say even difficult task, but it will be a challenging task because, you know, the Suns chemistry-wise, they're rolling as well. And even though Chris Paul is going down, I think campaign is going to come in and do a lot better than what they do. I think Devin Booker, that's more shots for him. Um, I think DeAndre Ayn would continue to step up. So I don't see too much of a fall-off. Um, especially when we're talking regular season, and they are, you know, seven and a half games ahead of us. So I think the number two seed is should be our bigger concern rather than number one. Uh, getting the one seed is it's possible. Um, I'm not gonna say it, it's it's not not out of the degrees. Just a real tall task. I mean, Phoenix has been on a roll all season. Yes, they did lose today. Um, but it's, it's still remaining to be seen how they're really going to look without Chris Paul. Like, if they completely take a tumble, then we can revisit this question uh, in March. Uh, <laughs> in mid-March, and how the Grizzlies look then. But, uh, very well within reach for them, but I honestly think two is a little bit more feasible and more reachable. Um, Trying to get the number seed. Uh, I want to see the Grizz. I mean, the Lakers or somebody, somebody who you can't beat, but 
you know how things go there. But um, yeah, it's definitely within reach. I, I just unless Phoenix takes a complete nose dive down, I can't see the Grizz getting. Uh, I think I've said this before. I, I said the the one seed is something that we can actually sniff at. Um, and I'm just talking about the Suns' last four games. Again, they lost already to Utah. They lost to New Orleans. They beat OKC, and they barely beat a Houston team by three points. Their next, let's just call the next five games. They got the Blazers, who Anthony Simons has been doing some things. Uh, Knicks, Milwaukee, at Orlando, they should win. And then at Miami. So, again, I don't think anything's impossible. Um, and as I agree with all of us that we should be buying definitely for the number two seed. I think the number two seed is definitely within our range and should be gotten by us. But to Tuke's point, nothing's impossible for what this team has achieved so far. And let's not put a cap on this season. And, again, the next five games for the Suns, don't look like they're they like they're playing less than 500 basketball. Um, and so it is a tall task for us to climb. But in order for us to climb that task, we also have to take care of our own business as well, um, which means we need to win some games at the same time. Like the great Kevin Garnett once said, anything's possible. But, yeah, I you know, I'm not going to put a limit on this thing, but, you know, I just did. I just did a little quick math. Um, the Grizzlies are forty-two and twenty, and the Suns are forty-nine and twelve. If we were to hypothetically go twenty and zero, <laughs> our last twenty games, <laughs> to finish sixty-two and twenty, the Suns would have to go twelve and nine. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay, to make it. That's all. It's not about us. It's about the Suns losing. Losing. <laughs> That's a lot. No, I said the, the Suns would really have to take a nose down. Like they would literally have to start losing games for for it to happen. Again, it's possible. Right, it yeah. is possible. I just don't see it happening. I, I mean, that that means Phoenix will have to have a full on collapse. For that, for right. to overtake us, and, and Ken and I, I know that we talked about this yesterday on LBR, and I get right back to you, Cap. But the most valuable player for the Suns is should not be Devin Booker ahead of CP3, as we're seeing right now. By the way, well, that's actually only because CP3 got hurt. CP3 was like considered top five before the injury. That's the only reason I think he's down at number eight on NBA.com. Gotcha. He, he was literally he was about he was probably in still in still spot if I he should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's tall task, man. <laughs> like I said, you got this many amount of games left. It's it's tall. Anything's possible, but at two seed, we're down two games and we play Golden State again. So that's very, very much in the air that we can possibly get that. So as we always do, man, we got this week coming up. We didn't do uh predictions last week as we was talking about all-star weekend and just predicting the rest of the regular season. Now we're back to doing our predictions and keep the score. So we got the Spurs at home Monday. We got the Boston Celtics at Boston, which is the name of this episode is flexing because of this game. <laughs> this game got flexed in the spot of the Miami Brooklyn game. I assume because KD, uh, all they said KD might be back this week. I'm assuming they got worried that he won't be back in time for that game or else that game would not have gotten flexed. But shout out to the national media, um, the national media NBA for finding flexing us. And you know, it's ironic when our game got flexed off the game against the Spurs, ironically, the last time uh, when they flexed Miami into that spot in New York. 
now they flexing Miami off. <laughs> Money Memphis in place in Miami. Uh, it's funny how that correlates. Uh, but yeah, we play Boston on Thursday, who are red hot right now. We play uh, Orlando again uh, at home this time on Saturday. Then we play at Houston on Sunday. What are y'all predictions for this week? Hmm. Give me three and one. I'm going three and one as well. Um, the Boston, Boston Red Hot. <laughs> Anything's possible, but every time we play on national TV, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that Boston game too as a, as the potential loss. Anytime we're on national TV and on the road, it tends not to go well for us. So I want to be wrong, but. History has shown that each time we 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 get get a little love on national TV and we're on the road, especially this season, hasn't gone well for us. Um, so yeah, give me three and one. Um, yeah, I'll take three and one. I still want to go two and two because of one because of this uh this back to back on Saturday and Sunday, but I, I think Memphis can handle business in those two games. So yeah, we've been taking care of the sorry teams this year. Shout out to them. Yeah, that's it. That's, they, they're, they're winning the game. All disrespect. <laughs> All disrespect. So I'm hearing three and one, and our losses against the Celtics, right? Yep. Um, I'm 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 taking that three and one. Um, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm taking the three and one. <laughs> okay, have a losing to Orlando. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I got listen. I. I I honestly think that we're gonna lose against the Spurs. I think that our loss comes against the Spurs. That's a possibility. Uh, yeah. um, That's a possibility. Murray, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I know they went in the triple overtime and scored like 150 points, but Murray had a triple double during that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Spurs, the Spurs haven't been that bad. They haven't been that bad as a team that's really fighting for a play-in position right now, and they're in that case, and they need to continue to make their case. So I think. Even though, yes, we've been on the Houston's, the uh, Rockets, the Pistons, the Magic uh, over and over and over again. I think just with this team, we may overlook them. But I really think we drive the bullet home, and that helps us win that national TV game against the Celtics. And I'm really not concerned about Orlando and Houston, to be honest. Um, that's a that's a clean sweep for me. Um, but, yeah, give me three and one, but I think the loss happens against the Spurs. Of course, Grizz Nation proved me wrong. Give me four and up. Let's get it. I like, somebody got to go for one over. I'm not just doing it just to be different. If you look at the four teams we just named, the Celtics may have the best interior defense, but you're talking about an opportunity that John Moran is going to use to show why he needs to be in there by the top three in every people. Point blank period. And I think that's mm-hmm. from point from this point on until the end of the season, really, but especially on, I guess, like the last three national television, how many games we got left. If they can hopefully keep quote unquote flexing for us, it'll be even better for John Moran to, you know what I'm <laughs> But I think he's going to use that uh, moment. The Celtics are rolling, even though they're getting their butts whooped right now, currently by the Indiana Pacers. Um, uh, give me, give me four and oh, you know, my guy Markel folks come back for the magic. Shout out to Markel folks who I've right, mentioned taking folks, I know this on the magic pod, but y'all know I rock with him. Uh, he come back, they're gonna get an L for sure. But the last time Markel played, and you know, we went against the no, magic, no, 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 man, I mean, we was ready to run you. We was ready to run you. Just like anything's possible, we was ready to run you. You had to pay us for it tonight. 
I got us winning. Give, God, give me four and <laughs> Yeah, I ain't worried about Cole Anthony, bro. Trying to dunk in some teams in Cleveland. That would have been a 50. <laughs> that was just wrong. That was just wrong. That would have been a that would have been a 50 in New York, but in Cleveland, not so much. <laughs> hey, what about uh Obama getting his Clay Thompson on with all these uh threes he's been jacking? Oh, let him keep jacking them. Shoot, shoot all of them in, in FedEx form. Just just start break our rims. All right, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Two, do you want to? Do you want to go on standing further so we can go twenty and zero? Twenty and zero. Nah, don't let him. Don't let him get you started with that one. No, no. If we were to go streaking, we'll we'll go streaking until the next game. Give me streaking until the next game. We want to go streaking until. March 23rd, that's when we play the, the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Y'all know how I feel about them already. No, so I don't they know how to hold on. We can go shoot to them. That's really cool. If this, this we can go look at the schedule. Nah, we ain't got to say Viewers, go look at our schedule right now. Pause the podcast. Go look I'm at looking. our schedule. We can literally go streaking into the Nets game. I mean, outside and of on who the Nets play, we can beat them too. So, I mean, I, I would be concerned. Well, I mean, I know we're on this last one. I will be concerned about how March 8th goes. No, ain't nobody worried about the pill. What's in this? You got two grids killers, though, on this on one team. I mean, they, we, they hey, all we, we, like we, that. Was just to be the we saw them last week. We saw them last week. You want to check the results? <laughs> and the payback. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to. It'll be close, but no cigars, man. It'll be okay. close. I don't think. I, don't think, I think. Then March, it'll be close. That March 18th game. Well, you know what? That'll be the game. Give well, let's see. Let's talk about this week. next week. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. Us all right. All right. That's the first game we predicted. That's the first game predicting this week. Let's give us a week to think about that one. Before we end the show, man, shout out to John Morant for the 46 points. He did score. Against the Bulls, that did break the Grizzlies' um, single game record for most points scored in the game. I want to get fifty so bad. He does. He right. He's gonna have it. Oh, I'm ready. He's gonna have ready for it. You don't get fifty. Ready for it. Right. But as always, follow us on Twitter at the Starting Five, the uh, Number Five MEM. Follow Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies, and listen to the other podcasts on the network: the Three and D Podcast, Core Four Podcast, GBB Live, and the Long View. Uh, remember to follow me at the one underscore P shark. I am at the auto Trevor. Welterweight champion of Purtle. Of is a preposition. Remember that. I, when you say Purtle, I'll be thinking like that Purtle's chicken or whatever. Um, but that Purtle, but it's really she did, man. Clocking out and sending it over to the big fella. So I appreciate y'all for another great episode again at Tab Shakir. Hit us up, y'all. Let's go, Grizz Nation. Let's go. Let's go. Until next time on the road to 20 year old in the season. Go, Grizz. <laughs> go, Grizz. Get your roll on.